I hope you are having lots of fun in trying to catch me. That wasn't me on a TV show, which brings up a point about me. I am not afraid of the gas chambers because it will send me to paradise all the sooner. Because I now have enough slaves to work for me, where everyone else has nothing. When they reach paradise, so they are afraid of death, I am not afraid, because I know that my new life will be an easy one in paradise death. This was the Zodiac Killer, and this is the good, the bad, and the pure evil. The Zodiac Killer is a name given to a serial killer in the late 60s. It was huge at the time and would become the most famous unsolved murder cases in US history. The Zodiac is known to have murdered five victims in San Francisco Bay Area in 1968 and 1969. His victims were young couples and one taxi man. Two of these victims did live. The Zodiac would tease the media and police sending them letters claiming he killed 37. He's linked to many cold cases in Southern California. The teasing letters would also disclose the Zodiac name, threatening more killings if the letters weren't printed. Some letters had coded messages or cryptograms. In these, he claimed he was collecting victims, calling them slaves for the afterlife. He sent four cryptograms, two are still unsolved, and one took 51 years to break. Many suspects were thought to be the Zodiac, but the only publicly named one was Arthur Lee Allen, who was a teacher and convicted sex offender, and he died in 1992. In 1974, all letters stopped, but the fascination about him remains. April 2004, the case was marked inactive, but in March 2007, it was reopened. The California Department of Justice has an open file on the Zodiac since 1969. The first murders of the Zodiac would happen December 20, 1968, when he shot Betty Lou Jensen and David Faraday, who were two high school students. They were on their first date, and they had visited friends. They then went for food, ending on Lake Herman Road. At just after 10, David parked a car on what was known as a lover's lane. But by 11, they'd be found dead by Stella Borges. Solano County Sheriff was called, but had little to go on. Using what they could see, they determined a second car had rocked up next to them. The killer came out of the car and walked towards the couple's car. From how they were found, it's believed he had ordered them out of the car. David was found halfway out before he was shot in the head. This obviously spooked Betty, who tried to flee, but was shot five times in the back and would be found 28 feet from the car. Then the killer drove off. July 4th, 1969, heading towards midnight, Darlene Farron and Michael Majo drove into Blue Rock Spring Park, which was just four miles from the first murder site. The couple parked up while there, and another car drove in and parked beside them. But as quick as he did, the second car drove off. Just 10 minutes later, it returned, this time parking behind Darlene. The second car driver got out and walked to the passenger side of Darlene's car. He was carrying a flashlight and a 9mm Luger. The killer then shone the light into the couple's eyes. He then shot five times, hitting both victims. Some bullets even passed through Michael into Darlene. Thinking they were dead, the killer walked away, but he heard Michael moaning, 
So he came back and shot each of them two more times, and then he drove off. 40 minutes later, July 5th, at 12.40am, a phone call came into the Vallejo police. The phone call was a male claiming he committed the attack. The caller took credit for the murder of Betty Lou and David just six months before. Police were able to track the call to a phone booth at a gas station. Darlene was dead, but Michael, he survived, even though he was shot in the face, the neck and the chest. When Michael was well enough, he could describe the killer as 26 to 30 years old, about 200 pounds, 5 foot 8 tall, white with short light brown hair. The Vallejo Times Herald, San Francisco Chronicle and the San Francisco Examiner all received the exact same letters from the killer on August 1st, 1969. The letter took credit for both murders. Each letter also had a 408 cryptogram, which he claimed held the secret of the killer's identity. The letter gave strict instructions to print the letters in the newspaper, the front page to be exact, or he would cruise around all weekend, killing lone people in the night until he killed a dozen over that weekend. The Chronicle did publish, but only the cryptogram, and on page four, not the front. Along with the code was an article quoting Vallejo police officer. He said that they weren't convinced that this person was the murderer and asked for another letter with more info and proof of identity. The threat regarding killing if it wasn't printed on the first page never happened, but the whole letter would eventually be printed. The San Francisco examiner would get another letter on August 7th, 1969. It started with Dear Editor, this is the Zodiac speaking. It's this letter that he first coined the name. The writer obviously read the article because he answered the questions the chief requested. In the letter he gave deeper details that only the police knew. He also claimed that if the code was cracked it would identify him and the police would have him. The police wouldn't crack it but two locals Donald and Betty Harden did on August 8th 1969. There was misspelling and a reference to a short story named The Most Dangerous Game. The code stated he was collecting slaves for his afterlife. His name didn't appear in the code. The killer would later say he wouldn't give it away because this would stop him collecting the slaves. Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Shepherd, who were Pacific Union college students, were having a picnic at Lake Berryessa on September 27, 1969. They were approached by a white man. He was wearing a black ex- executioner hood with a clip on sunglasses over the eyes, with a cross symbol on the bib of his chest and a circle around the cross. He was holding a gun and he spun a story about escaping jail. He had killed a guard, stole a car, and now wanted to head to Mexico, but needed money and a new car. This strange man then produced a clothesline and instructed Cecilia to tie up Brian, and then he would tie her up. Checking her work, the strange man found Brian's loose, so he tightened him. At first, this strange event was thought to be just a robbery, but then this odd fellow took out a knife and stabbed him multiple times. Brian would receive six stab wounds and Cecilia ten. The killer would then walk off towards the road, Finding Brian's car, he drew a circle with a cross through it, along with the word in Vallejo 12, 
and then September 27-69, by knife. The phone will go off in Napa County Sheriff's Office at 7.40pm. The call will come from a payphone and the caller wanted to report a murder. No, a double murder, he said. The voice would continue to state they were the killer. They found the phone box that the call came from with the phone still swinging off the hook. Detectives would also find a wet palm print on the phone. That's how quickly they found it. And they were able to lift it, but would never match it to a suspect. Back at the lake, a man with his son were quietly fishing. This quiet would be shattered by screams of help. They followed these screams, finding the victims and alerting park rangers. Cecilia would be conscious when the detectives arrived and was able to give details. Both her and Brian would be taken to hospital, but soon Cecilia would drift into a coma and never come out of it. She would die two days later, but Brian would survive, given his recount to detectives and the press. Just two weeks on from this, a white man would get into a cab which was driven by Paul Stein on October 11, 1969. So the guy hops in and asks to go to Washington and Maple Street in Presidio Heights, San Francisco. Now for some reason, Paul drove to Cherry Street. The customer then shot Paul in the head, took his wallet and keys and ripped away a piece of Paul's so blood-soaked shirt. Three teenagers would witness this all at about 9.55pm. They would phone the police as the crime was happening. The teenagers watched as the passenger wiped the car down and just walked off. Just two blocks away was a patrol officer Don Falk and Eric Selms. They would peel off as soon as they got the call. The officers noted a white man who was stepping onto a stairway going to her front yard of the home. Don would describe him as white, 35 to 45, about 5 foot 10 in height with a short cut hair. Now the teenagers pegged the same, but had him at 25 to 30 years old. But the call from dispatch had him black, not white, so the officers didn't suspect the white man. This mix-up has never been explained. A correct search began, but no suspects were found. This killing would be the last confessed murder of the Zodiac. At first, Paul's murder was thought to be a normal robbery that took a final turn. But a letter landed on the desk of San Francisco Chronicle on October 13th. This letter was from the Zodiac claiming he killed Paul Stein. He sent the ripped shirt piece as proof. The teens that witnessed the event were called into the police to give a sketch of the killer. And the San Francisco police would look at about 2,500 suspects over the next couple of years. Now on March 22, 1970, Kathleen Johns was out driving late at night on a visit to her mother's. She wasn't alone, she was with her 10-month-old daughter and she also was seven months pregnant. While near Mode Modesto, a car appeared behind her. The car was going mad, honking and flashing its lights. Kathleen pulled over and came to a stop. The madman also pulled over behind her and got out of his car. He walked towards her car and he got to her window. He indicated she had a rear wheel wobbling. 
He insisted on taking the nuts for her, after which he left. A little spooked, Kathleen waited for him to drive off. She then drove back onto the highway when her wheel began wobbling and almost came off. The man reappeared saying he'd seen her in trouble and offered to take her to the nearest gas station. Thinking it's her only option, she and her little daughter got into his car. While driving, he would pass station after station. Nearly 90 minutes he he drove all over Tracy. If Kathleen asked why he wasn't stopping, he'd quickly change the subject. The car would eventually stop at an intersection. Going with her gut, Kathleen grabbed her daughter, opened the door and bolted into a field. The driver would come after them. Using a flashlight, he shone it into the field, yelling out that he won't hurt her. Eventually he would give up and he would drive off. Kathleen would emerge out of the field and hitchhike a ride to the police of Patterson. While giving her statement, her eyes would catch the the compass's sketch of Paul Stein's killer, and she insisted that was the man who held her and her daughter in the car. The sergeant had Kathleen and her daughter stay in a closed restaurant for the night for protection while they looked into her story. They would find her car gutted and burnt out. Accounts would claim Kathleen was threatened while in the car, but police reports don't confirm this. To newspapers, Kathleen would claim the driver left the car to find them, while to police, she stated he never left the car once they were in the field. So Zodiac would continue sending letters and postcards to the police and the media well into 1970. A letter with a postmark April 20th, 1970, would arrive saying, My name is... After is was a 13-character code, which to this day hasn't been solved. February 18th, 1970, a bomb went off at a police station in San Francisco. The Zodiac would claim no responsibility for this in the April 20th letter, but would state there is more glory to killing a cop than a Sid because a cop can shoot back. Along with this was a diagram of a bus and a threat that he was going to use a bomb to blow up a school bus. At the bottom would be his symbol, circle and cross over it, with equals 10. An SFPD standing for San Francisco Police Department equals zero. April 28, 1970, a greeting card would land into the Chronicle. In it, he wrote, I hope you enjoy yourself when I have my blast. He would sign it with his symbol. At the back, he once again gave the bus bomb a threat, unless the newspaper published a full letter. He also made a reference wanting to see people wearing zodiac buttons. This button remark would raise its head again in a letter on June 26, 1970. In this letter, he wrote, I shot a man sitting in a park parked car with a point 38. The Zodiac possibly was remarking of a murder of Sergeant Richard Reddict a week before. On June 19th at around 5.30am, Richard was writing the parking ticket in his squad car. A man would walk up and shoot him in the head through the driver's window. Richard would die within a day and the police department would deny the Zodiac being involved and the killing remains unsolved to this day. 
Along with the letter will be a map of San Francisco Bay. On the Mount Diablo area will be the zodiac symbol. At the top of the circle will be the numbers 0369. There will be a 32 letter code that claims to lead to a location of a bomb that was buried and would go off in the autumn time. The code was never solved and no bomb ever went off. He ended it signing off with his symbol along with equals 12 and SFPD equals 0. July 24, 1970, another letter would arrive at the Chronicle from the Zodiac, this time taking credit for Kathleen's abduction. He would speak about torturing his slaves in paradise. He would sign it off once again with symbol, his symbol, this time larger, with a score equals 13 and SFPD equals 0. He would PS at the end, referencing Mount Diablo, and a code was radons plus hashtag inches along the radar. In 1981, this would be looked into closer by researcher Garrett Penn, who would discover the radon angle placed on a map would point to two of the zodiac attacks. Now on October 7th, 1970, the Chronicle got a large card signed with the zodiac symbol and a small cross allegedly done in, in blood. The message on the card was done with a cut out letters pasted on with 13 punch holes across the card. It's believed but not pro proven to have come from the Zodiac. Paul Avery was a reporter at the Chronicle and he covered the Zodiac case. On October 27, 1970, he got a Halloween card signed with the letter Z and the symbol of the Zodiac. A note read Peekaboo you are doomed. It was seen as a serious threat and it was a front page news article in the Chronicle. After this, a private unnamed letter was sent to Avery. The letter would hint of similarities of the Zodiac and an unsolved murder in Riverside, which happened four years earlier. Avery would dive into it and report his findings on November 16, 1970. So the Riverside murders happened on October 30th, 1966. 18-year-old Cherry Joe Bates was a Riverside City College student and was at the library on campus until 9pm. At half 10 that night, neighbours would call in hearing screams. Cherry Joe was found dead the next morning behind two abandoned houses. Her car would be found and the distributor cap was missing. Her cause of de death was from stabbing and beating. A man's watch fixed at 12.24 was found nearby, but the police believe the attack happened much earlier. On November 29, 1966, letters arrived into the Riverside Press Enterprise with the title, The Confession. The letter claimed responsibility for Jerry Joe's murder and gave details only the killer would know. The letter also said Sherry wasn't the first and wouldn't be the last. While doing a cleanup at the campus library, a poem of sorts was found under a table. It was carved in and named Sick of Living, Unwilling to Die. The language and writing of this poem was similar to the Zodiacs. Six months to the day, April 30th, 1967, three letters were sent to Cherry Joe's father the newspaper and police. 
The newspaper and police's letter read Cherry Jo had to die, there will be more. While her father said she had to die, there will be more. Boat was signed off with what looked like a Z. Now in August 2021, Riverside Police Homicide Cold Case Unit announced the author of these had contacted them in 2016 and was confirmed by DNA in 2020. He confessed to sending them, but it was all a hoax and apologised for such a horrible deed. He apparently was a lonely teen who just wanted attention. Investigators confirmed he was not the Zodiac. March 13, 1971, a letter would reach the LA Times. The letter was from the Zodiac and would credit the police, not Avery, for the Riverside discovery. He would write regarding Riverside activity, but that they only found the easy ones and that there were a hell of a lot more. The police and Avery don't think the Zodiac killed Cherry Joe, but do think he sent the letters falsely claiming credit. A postcard for Paul Avery would come into the Chronicle on March 22, 1971 from the Zodiac. In it, he claimed responsibility for September 6, 1970 disappearance of Donna Lass. The postcard wasn't written but made of chopped up letters from magazines. It had two Zodiac symbols, one in the return address and the other on the lower right hand corner. Looking up on Donna, she was a nurse at the Sahara Tahoe Hotel and Casino. She worked until 2am on the 6th, treating her last patient at 1.40am. Later on that day, her boss and landlord would get a strange call saying Donna had to leave town due to a family issue. Donna was never found and the Zodiac was never confirmed to be her doctor. Another murder in 1963 was also thought to be linked to the Zodiac. June 4th, Robert Domingos and Linda Edwards were on a senior ditch day and were hanging out at the beach near Lompoc. They were approached by a man who tried to bind them, but the ties weren't tight enough. They got, the two got loose and ran off, but the man shot them in the back and the chest. The killer placed them in a shack, retied them and tried to burn the shack down, but it failed. It would be three years from the Lake Tahoe card until the next one in early 1974. In it, he strangely praised the movie The Exorcist as a comedy and included a snippet of the verse from Mikado with an unusual symbol that still can't be explained to today. He ended the letter with me equals 37 and SFPD equals zero. A suspect named Arthur Lee Allen was high, a high Zodiac suspect. He died in 1972. He was interviewed by police many, many times and was the subject of several warrants over 20 years. But all the evidence turned out to be negative. On October 6, 1969, Allen was interviewed. He was reported to be in the Lake Berryessa area when Hartnell and Shepard were attacked. He claimed he was just scuba diving on the day. He would again be on police radar in 1971 when a friend of his, Donald Cheney, contacted police about Alan. Alan apparently disclosed to him the desire to kill people, using the name Zodiac and having a light attached to a gun. Cheney said this chat happened on January 1st, 1969. 
With police looking into Allen, it was found he was discharged from the Navy in 1958. He was then fired from a teaching job in 1968 regarding sexual misconduct with students. Those on the outside thought him as a good guy, but those close to him said he had a weird fixation on young children and was extremely angry towards women. In 1972, police would search his residence, and in 1974, he was arrested for sexually assaulting a 12-year-old boy. He pleaded guilty and served two years. In 1991, another search would happen on his residence, and in 1992, he died. But two days after his death, another search would happen, and this time, they would seize property. In July 1992, Mike Magoo, who was shot in 1969, pointed Alan out of a photo lineup as the man who shot him all those years before. The officer, Don Fook, at the Paul Steins killing said Alan didn't match the man he seen. And the operator who took the call on Majo and Farron shooting said Alan's voice didn't match the caller. There was circumstantial evidence that indicated Alan would be the Zodiac. Sherry Joe's killer used a royal typewriter with lead type, and such an item was found in Alan's home during the 1991 search. He wore a watch like the one found in Sherry Joe's murder scene, and lived close to the victim Verin. But in 2002, the F SFPD did a partial DNA profile. They were able to get saliva from a stamp and an envelope of the Zodiac letter. They compared it to Alan and his ex-friend Cheney, just in case he was setting Alan up. Both were not a match. In 2004, the case was marked inactive, but was reopened in March 2007. It was opened in Napa County and in Riverside. May 2008, the Legio police announced that they were going to try to collect DNA of the Zodiac from stamps of the envelopes. A private lab checked DNA against the GED match, which was an online service for genetic, genetic uh, genealogy and family tree research. It gained huge awareness the month before in April 2018, identifying a suspect in the Golden State Killer case. It was hoped that maybe lightning would strike twice, solving the Zodiac case. In October 2021, the case breakers made headlines. They were a team of 40 cold case investigators, which included four, a former law enforcement, military intelligence and journalists. They made headlines for claiming Gary Francis Post was the Zodiac. He died in 2018. The team claimed, claimed to have undercovered photos from Post's darkroom, as well as letters of Post's name from one of the Zodiac's cryptograms, revealing an alternate message. But not everyone is convinced, with the FBI stating no new information to report, and the case remains open. The San Francisco Chronicle and police get hundreds of tips each year regarding the Zodiac suspects and solutions to the coded messages. But there's hope that with newer technology, one day the world could know his identity, and the families of David Faraday, Betty Lou Jensen, Darlene Fern, Cecilia Shepard and Paul Stein would get closure and the, the, the story won't be on the mystery of who he is but maybe on the victims 
and what awful, terrible tragedy the story actually was. Thanks for listening. Next time I'll be looking into Diana, Princess of Wales. Until then, this was the good, the bad and the pure evil.